Don't let a DUI charge ruin your life. Get a professional and confidential evaluation from our experienced team at True Heights Treatment. Our evaluations are accepted by the majority of courts in the state of Illinois and provide a comprehensive assessment of your substance use patterns and potential treatment needs. Get the help you need today and start your path to a brighter future. Contact us now to schedule your evaluation at 708-248-7039 or at thtdui.com. The George Brassy Podcast is made possible with funding provided from Brassy Global Strategies, LLC, a leading political consulting, public policy, government affairs, and research firm. Are you interested in running for elected office? Need advice? Call or email George, 708-769-5015. Brassy Global Strategies 1 at gmail.com. Alderman Bellotto, welcome to the George Brassy Podcast. Great to have you here. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Um, a little bit about our guest, Fred Bellotto. He holds a bachelor's degree in education from St. Xavier University and a master's degree from Governor State in Educational Administration. Alderman Bellotto is currently serving on the City Council in Blue Island, and he's also the Township Assessor for Calumet Township. Alderman Bellotto, um, I'd like you to speak a little bit about, you know, your journey uh, that led you to the point you're at um, on the city council and as township assessor. All right. Um, well, basically, I got started through through my family. My father ran for alderman back in the early 80s. My grandfather was very involved in the Calumet Township Republican Party, and then it morphed into the Democratic Party um, when John Rita ran for mayor in the late 70s. Um, my great uncle was the Republican committeeman and also second ward alderman, the same position I hold now. So my family's been involved uh, both for decades in Blue Island politics, uh, more on the back side of it, the Bellotto side, uh, the Ruffalo side, like, like my, my great uncle was the committeeman and the alderman, um, Sam Ruffalo, and uh, his legacy growing up and then getting involved myself through the Calumet Township regular democratic organization I think the first time I, my first memories of it was going to meetings and my dad running in the early 80s. And I remember my first active involvement was putting up Aurelia Pachinski signs, uh, riding my bike uh, and holding probably 20 paper signs and, and nailing them to telephone poles, probably when I was in fourth or fifth grade. So I've been involved pretty much my entire life. I always find it interesting that um, people who have relatives who are involved in local government often find themselves running or being the candidate themselves. I know growing up, my mother was on the school board um, and was very involved with the Bloom Township uh, Republican organization as well. So I, you're definitely a man after my own heart. Yeah, that's a, a lot of the Italian neighborhoods, I believe, were Republican, heavily Republican, I think, uh, until at least Reagan. And after Reagan, I think they started switching over to Democrat. And I think the same thing probably happened in the Heights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me, you, you are uh, a social studies teacher by trade. How does that influence your roles as alderman and township assessor? It's a, I, get a, I get a different perspective on a lot of things, especially with my other um, elected officials. When I'm talking to them, I give them the history of it uh, and how uh, 
the the party system and and how um, elective office in general like it, I get it from a different perspective how it's it's in our culture as the United States that anybody can run for office and it's not like we have the House of Lords here thing so I can give them a little education on that even when I'm talking about simple stuff like at city council battles and wars that we have here uh, very recently like uh, um, why it's strong mayor or weak mayor system and stuff like that so I guess that's where my background as a teacher in civics and government come into play, especially when I can form an argument to counter what, what's going on. Did you, um, did you know growing up that being uh, a social studies teacher was a, a long-term professional goal of yours? Actually, when I was growing up, um, I was thinking of becoming an architect. I, I always loved architecture, loved older buildings. I used to draw like a lot of straight lines. And there's an opera house in town that my neighbor uh, growing up, uh, is an architect and he still lives in town here and he was uh they were remodeling the opera house and he gave me a set of the blueprints and i still have them today and I, I really was into that kind of stuff like and i started knowing the difference between vernacular and victorian and italiante and different styles so i was i was thinking when i was real young of going into architecture and then probably what influenced me with being to the education is is the history i i've Growing up, I was like I was running for mayor when I was uh, when I was in grade school. There's a book called The First Hundred Years of Blue Island History. It's like 400 pages. It was written um, by John Volp, who used to run the Blue Island Sun Standard. And I, one of my relatives gave me a copy of this when I was young. And it was, it's like, like I said, three, four hundred pages. And it's 1835 to 1935, the complete history of Blue Island. I, I read that entire book. And ever since then, I was hooked to the Blue Island history. And uh, that kind of led me to history in general. And that's probably what pushed me into the educational field in high school. I, even at that point, I wasn't uh, decided on what I was going to do from 14 years old through college and even part time until I started having kids. I was a pharmacy technician at the local pharmacy. It was Islander Pharmacy in Blue Island here. I worked there 14 years old. And even though I found out later I wasn't even supposed to be working behind the counter at 14, 15, 16, I worked there. And then my friend uh, got a job at Walgreens. They were paying a lot more money. So I walked down the street and applied at 16. And I was at Walgreens for 15 years in the pharmacy. So I was thinking of becoming a pharmacist. I actually went to University of Illinois downtown, the Circle Campus, uh, for pre-pharmacy for a year before I settled back on history. It's just not my thing. I, I felt trapped when I was going there for my part-time job. You're in a little tiny two-by-two two square. And uh, I couldn't see myself doing that for 40 years. So I fell back on, on what I like to do. I like talking about history. I like talking about politics. And um, it helped that I like to travel and you get the summers off. So it was perks in that. The money wasn't too big of a deal for me. Um, so I just uh, fell back on, on education and I've loved it. I've never not liked going to work. Even when I've become an administrator the last four years, uh, you could put me back in the classroom right now. I would never have an issue. I, even to apply for this job, I was kind of like asked to apply for it. I didn't ever thought I wanted to become an administrator because I love being in the classroom so much. Holding two uh, separate elected positions, which one do you feel is a, a more challenging position for you to take on? The alderman job is by far more challenging. In Blue Island here, they haven't raised salaries, I think, since 1965. We get 500 bucks a month. And I tell you right now, my phone bill alone is probably majority of that. It's a very challenging position. Everybody in Blue Island, at least, I'm, I'm sure maybe Chicago Heights is set up the same way. They call the alderman first for everything. Every, and especially the, the advance of telephones. My dad never had it this hard when he was an alderman. Um, people respected home lines, like they wouldn't call so much at night unless the house was on fire. 
with the advent of, of cell phones and, and emails, I get notifications at one in the morning. It's whenever a constituent has an issue, they'll, they'll call you. And it's, uh, it's definitely the most time consuming. It's the more rewarding also of the, the two positions I have, but it's very time consuming. And, and if you actually do the work, um, it's, it's, a, it's a full-time job for 500 bucks a month. So it's, it's a lot of work, but it's rewarding at the same time. The, the assessor's job, um, the, how I fell into that, I never wanted to run for assessor. The township needed an assessor. The former assessor was retiring and you need a certification to run for that office. You need to be a certified Illinois assessing officer to even run, to even file your petitions for nomination. It's one of the only, if not the only positions in Illinois that you need prerequisites to run outside of being 18 years old and a citizen. So I took the classes. I had to go down to Bloomington for a week. I had to take a few classes. Then I had to go drive down to Effingham. It was a good time commitment during the summer, driving back and forth just to get the education to run for the position. And that's where I've been for two terms. And uh, it's rewarding in, in its own way where you can help a senior citizen getting a tax freeze that they didn't know they were able to get. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I was able to get someone $6,000 rebated back to them because their husband passed away and they never knew that you were supposed to apply for this every year. Now, since the law has changed, but they've never applied for it, um, you used to have to apply for the freeze every year to get it. And it's a major tax uh, savings for a senior citizen that's making under a certain income. And they were able to get $6,000 back from the Cook County Treasurer for the last three years. They didn't get the senior freeze. So that's rewarding experience. But it's few and far between those kind of stories. Most of it's just menial paperwork. You're, you're helping uh, file for the, the exemptions. You're notifying the Cook County as a middleman for a new construction or a teardown. You review all the building permits from, in my jurisdiction has three different towns in it. So they all send me their building permits and I have to review them all to see if there's anything that would affect the tax calculation or the assessed calculation of the property. And in an old town like Blue Island and Cal Park and Riverdale, the major issues is not too many new homes. It's a garage goes up where a garage didn't exist before, or they tore down a piece of the house and they're expanding it. So I have to go through all the building permits. It's more of a, um, it's a paper job. You know, it's not like the alderman where I can go and fix something right away. So the alderman has a lot more reward to the job. It's a lot more work. The assessor job is more behind the scenes, paperwork, um, that kind of things with a few rewarding stories here and there, like I mentioned with the, the senior citizen. So Calumet Township is only made up of three towns, Blue three Island. Towns, yes. And it's not even not even all of Blue Island. It's not all of Riverdale. It's it's about 60 percent of Blue Island, all of Calumet Park and about 20 percent of Riverdale. It's a very small township because as the city of Chicago grew, they eliminated township government. Our township was just like Bloom or Thornton, where it was a perfect square to the most part. And uh, as the city of Chicago grew, they eliminated township government within the city of Chicago limits. So our boundaries are pretty small. We're one of the smaller townships in the state right now, not by population by far, because you have townships that only have 100 people in it. We have about 22,000 people in our township, but by land-wise, we are pretty small. What other um, township is Blue Island part of? We're in four different townships. We have two precincts that are in Thornton. We have one precinct that's in Bremen, and the other... 30, 40% is Worth Township. That's West or Western Avenue, north of 135th Street. Got it. Um, one thing as, you know, the, the times I've spent in Blue Island, I think you guys have done a great job uh, kind of preserving the character of the city, especially uh, along Western Avenue. And uh, kudos to your city planners and the city council uh, for doing that. It's definitely takes you back to, uh, I think, a time before much uh 
was developed around Blue Island. Because at one point, Blue Island was... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. Yeah. Well, at one point, Blue Island was in a similar situation to Chicago Heights, where it was not much around it. So it grew at a rapid pace. Is that correct? It actually grew through the Civil War. And by the 1880s or so, we've had the same population since right after the Civil War. And we've been a pretty much a rectangle ever since. We've had only, I think, 10 mayors in 150 years history, most mayors serving 20 to 30 years, 40 year terms. And we had a few isolationist mayors in there that did not want to expand. And just to give you an example, in the 50s, Palos Park wanted to annex into the city of Blue Island for our water. And, and that's going pretty far west of our current boundaries. Everything between Blue Island and Palos Park was unincorporated. Alicep wanted to incorporate, Palos Park, Palos Heights, all these towns uh, approached Blue Island to incorporate because we had the, the access to the Lake Michigan water through our pump houses. And Blue Island at a time unanimously voted against annexing any exterior territories. In fact, we de-annexed several areas like Cal Park. Cal Park at one time was part of Blue Island. That's why Raceway Park always had a Blue Island address. And they've actually made their boundaries tighter and smaller. Very isolationist thinking, very small minded. And there was a former mayor, Hart, who was mayor for, I think, 40 some years. Um, he said Blue Island needs to grow up and not out. Their idea was more apartment buildings, higher storied buildings, 10 story buildings, instead of expanding um, our boundaries. And that's that's what hurt the town now and today, where Alicep and other neighboring towns have a huge commercial tax base. We are very commercial tax base poor. We're a primarily residential town. Very small amount is industry. So in our in our COVID situation right now, even we are sales tax poor also, where we're not really being affected by revenues coming in. As long as people pay their property taxes on their homes, we haven't had to take a, we haven't had to do any layoffs. We haven't had to do any uh, um, tax anticipation warrants. We're doing okay, but other towns that heavily rely on sales tax are hurting really bad right now. They're probably going to get worse through the season here. But uh, no, we've been actually very isolationist in our history of Blue Island, isolationist thinking, not expanding our boundaries. Um, we've been pretty much the same since right after the Civil War. We've been a, our rectangular boundaries, I think 1860-something, we've had the same boundaries since then. So we should have expanded and never did. One thing I find interesting when I watch uh, city council meetings of the Blue Island City Council is you guys have 14 aldermen. But that will change. What are your feelings about that? I'm uh, initially and still conflicted on the idea of lowering the amount of aldermen. Not so much on a historic perspective. I can understand the history of it. We've had 14 since the dawn of time. I think since 1901, we've had 14 aldermen. Um, it's more of less representation for people that already go into it, thinking that it's it's not even a part-time job. You're putting double the workload now on the seven aldermen remaining. And um, they didn't address the salary component. They didn't address any of the authority with the aldermen. So now where at least I have a counterpart that can help me. Um, like if I go on vacation, hey, Alderman Cazares, can you, you know, you're going to take my phone calls during this week or whatever. That will not exist now. And I think that's where it's going to be a drawback, especially if most of the aldermen don't, don't look at it as a rewarding thing. Um, being able to help their people. So that's where it's going to be. It's going to be more work on the seven aldermen that are remaining. The benefits of it is um, less arguing, hopefully, because 14 different personalities in, in, in a small room together never really get anything accomplished, um, especially if there's conflicting power factions. Um, 
and 14 less elections. I mean, it seems like we were always an election in Blue Island here. And it's every two years we were alternating before there was always an election. So there's benefits in that. Um, but I think it'd be a drawback, more work for the ones that want to run again. That's why so many are not running. Um, there's only a small minority of aldermen that are running again for re-election. Was the change made um, by the city council to to lower the amount of aldermen or was it imposed by a court or? It was imposed by a referendum. So the city clerk who has filed for alderman, for mayor, um, I think it was more of getting his name out there. He put three referendum questions. Only one was binding. The binding one was lowering the amount of aldermen. And yeah. um, nobody fought against it. Uh, my organization didn't fight against it because there's benefits, just like there's drawbacks. There's benefits to lowering the amount of aldermen. Um, so it passed. I think it passed 80% of the vote uh, to effective April. Everybody starts over and it'll only be seven aldermen. The drawbacks to the, to the aldermen that ran two years ago for a four-year term they ran for a four-year term, and now they only got to serve two because now they have to run for re-election if they want to keep the job. So there was drawbacks to um, representation. I guess there's some people mentioned they wanted to sue. We're not. We advise people just let it go. If you want to run again, run again. Because imagine if you, George, you ran for a four-year term, and now you were told, "No, sorry, you have to run again in two years." You know, that's that you would probably feel offended to that. People elected you for four years. You know, but that's what's going on in Blue Island here. My counterpart ran for a four-year term, and uh, his term ends now in April instead of uh, two years later. Tell us about what um, a potential Mayor Bellotto administration looks like, its goals and um, ambitions for the town of, or the city of Blue Island. It's a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work. And I'm not looking forward to the amount of work. I'm ready to do it. But it is no glory in this uh, job, at least not in the way I see it. Um, I just want to get going, get in there and get dirty, getting stuff done, you know, because there's no, I don't even want to do it. If, if I do get in there, if the people vote me in this position, I don't even want to have a ceremony or party. I just want to get to work. There's so much to be done just from departments like our building department that needs to be completely reorganized to our police department, which really hasn't had an effective chief in many years. Um, it, it's just overwhelming the amount of work that needs to be done. This town has always been well, that's the way it's always been done. I'm sure you've heard of the same thing in Chicago Heights. Well, that's the way it's always been done. That doesn't mean it's the correct way of doing it. We are still doing a paper system in our city hall. If you go in and get a permit, you file paper paperwork. You can't do anything electronically. They pull a file with your PIN number for your house, and you'll have stuff in that file from 30, 40 years ago. You know, there's nothing electronic. We're archaic in our, in our structures, from our water bills to our billing. And everything needs to be re, re, revamped, rehauled. Re, uh, our city hall was built in the 1880s. You walk in there, it looks like the 1880s. Now, I love the history. I love the look of the building. But there should be more uh, ease of process in doing these things. When we hit COVID, our city shut down. You couldn't get building permits. You couldn't do anything because nothing was available electronically. So every department needs to be overhauled. Police department, just to, to speak on that. We have more than enough police officers. I just don't think they're being used effectively. I believe we're at... 35 or so full-time officers, and the quota is always one per thousand or something like that. And we have 10 more than that. Plus, we have a slew of part-time officers, yet we never see the squad cars in the streets. They're always primarily around the police station. We haven't had a full-time chief in some time. So it's, it's just every department needs to be looked at and reorganized, and it's going to be a lot of work. And that's just day-to-day -day operations. That's not worrying about 5, 10, 15 years down the road. You know, I have a significant investment here, just like everybody that owns a house in their town. 
They want to see values maintain or increase. They want to see more businesses come in. They want to see economic development. They don't want to see their taxes go up. They want to see services maintained. They don't want to lose services. It's just overwhelming the amount of work that needs to be done. And I'm willing to do it. It's just going to be a lot of work. And I'm very realistic on this. Absolutely. Who does who does Blue Island purchase this water from? The city of Chicago, straight. We've had the longest contract of any other, uh, if you want to call us a suburb, than anybody else. We had right to the city of Chicago water, I believe, before the city of Chicago had water. We were older than Chicago by a couple of years. So we have a direct pipeline. We have two pipelines to Chicago. At one time, we supplied every town around us. But because we're isolationist thinking, they did not want to increase their pumping capacity in the 60s. So Oak Lawn took over. At one time, we used to pump to Oak Lawn. Oak Lawn took over the pumping to a lot of these towns. And we bypassed. We let pipes come through our town to feed the cities like Harvey, where at one time Harvey fed off us. So we were the pump house for, we have a pump house that's completely closed down um, because we don't pump to other towns anymore. So we, we've always directly gotten it from the lake. City of Chicago. Very interesting. Well, Fred, I, uh, I want to ask you the same question I ask uh, every guest when we wrap up the, the episode. What are two books you could recommend to the audience uh, that have been influential for you? So I saw that question on there was the only one that actually went back on my bookshelf. I've lived in my house about 10 years and I usually don't give away books after I've read them. I, I run the gamut. Um, influential. Edgar Allan Poe in high school I liked. I liked uh, Casco Montalado, uh, you know, Nemo Me Impune La Cicite means don't harm me without impunity. I, I like that a lot. Um, but I don't know if that influenced me. I'm more of a forgiving person if you are familiar with the story. So um, that came up. I like Poe. I read uh, before the series came out, Song, Ice, and Fire. I liked uh, Lord of the Rings, Tolkien. I'm a big sci-fi guy when it comes to reading this stuff. Um, lately, I reread Harry Potter. I read them all because I was curious. My sister was getting the books. She's five years younger than me. And I read them just because they were around. And I reread them. And I actually like them. I'm not a, a, a ashamed that I'm a 38-year-old male and I like Harry Potter. Um, Huck Finn, Mark Twain. Then the whole slew of ghost stuff. I mean, I was a big Goosebumps guy in junior high. I read every single one, uh, R.L. Stein, And then uh, Ray Bradbury in college, you know, October Country, The Halloween Tree is one of my favorite uh, short stories. Sleepy Hollow, Washington Irving. I loved it so much. I took my family there twice to Sleepy Hollow to see the, the sites that inspired him writing the short stories. Um, so I'm all over the place. I'm writing right now. I'm reading a book called Ghostland. It's just um, a bunch of stories comprised of... Uh, supposed real haunted sites throughout the uh, country. Um, that's what I'm halfway through right now that's sitting on my desk. So I'm all over the place from sci-fi to American folklore to ghost stories. I would say none of them influenced me, except that a lot of them are tied to at least uh, some history, like the American stuff is tied to history. Uh, so that would be the one uh, similar thing throughout the storylines, but none, I would say none influenced me into politics. I think there's a big line to be drawn there. None of them. Um, other people would say like, I have a friend that likes uh, Machiavelli or, or Shun Tzu. I've read those books too, but I wouldn't consider those influencing books it ends justify the means and all that. Cause I have different views on such topics. So, but uh, no, I don't think a book I would, I would recommend anything I've just mentioned. If you like any of that stuff, but uh, I don't know if any of them influenced uh, my politics, like your question you sent me. So, Alderman, where where can uh, the people find you on the internet? I'm on Facebook, Alderman Fred Bellato. 
And that's it for right now until I get a website up together for the campaign. But Alderman Fred Bellato on Facebook, and I'm pretty active there. I try posting once every couple of days, and I share a lot of information off that. And that's where it's going to be my campaign starting off that site before I um, have a separate site for the campaign. And before we end the call, is there a is there a primary in Blue Island in February, or is it straight to the general in April? We've never actually done the primary. There has been a candidate in the past that filed as a Democrat, and there wasn't a primary needed because he was the only one filed, so it automatically goes to April. We talked to him about doing it this time, and then we bypassed it. So, no, there is no primary this time, and it's never actually happened. But I think eventually down the road, we might come across that Blue Island has always been a very diverse political town. I believe this town voted for Bush uh, Sr. in the 80s overwhelmingly. Um, it's it's still not heavily, it's heavily Democratic now, but uh, I still would suggest not running primaries here. And that's just Democratic Republican. I'm going to talk about established political parties. You could still do a primary with an established political party. I just think Blue Island in general has never had one. And I didn't want to be the first candidate to throw that out there as it, with a slate. So we're just doing April election. I am the only one that filed with a complete slate, though. Well, that will help you once you become mayor. Alderman Bellato, thank you for coming on my podcast. Thank you. No problem. Anytime. Help George stay on the Chicago Heights City Council. Go and donate today at tinyurl.com slash aldermangeorge2023. Begin to transform your life and work towards inner peace with expert psychotherapy. At True Heights Treatment, our experienced therapists provide personalized, compassionate care to help you overcome life's challenges and reach your goals. Whether you're struggling with depression, anxiety, relationship issues, or other mental health concerns, our team is here to support you. With a warm and welcoming in-person and virtual office atmosphere and a commitment to person-centered and evidence-based treatments, we are dedicated to helping you address your life's challenges. Contact us now to schedule your first session at 708-248-7039 or online at trueheightstx.com. Book your appointment today and start your journey towards a happier, healthier life. Need more George? Like his pages on Facebook. Friends of George Brassy PAC, Fifth Ward Business Alliance, Chicago Heights Bicycle and Pedestrian Resource Center, and the George Brassy Podcast.